Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Your words? Less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Be a part of the best pro wrestling podcast today by supporting the Going In Raw Patreon. You can enjoy access to the live taping of the show, exclusive merchandise, and patron-only episodes, and so much more. Support Going In Raw today. Click the link in the description. Hey, Brendo, Steve here. And Lars. Hey, welcome to Going In Raw. Matt Chat. Well, we're, we're starting the transition from... Friday dirt sheet to Friday mat chat. We need we have an idea for a set. We have a great idea. There's going to be set. some graphics involved, but yeah. we don't really have the time right now with all this uh, new this WWE 2K18 stuff we're doing this week to make that transition. So that's coming in the weeks ahead. But from here on out, the debate show will be referred to as mat chat. Hopefully, this is the last one with the dirt sheet graphic on it. But t- until the mat chat graphic is ready, it's going to keep the. Dirt oh sheet crap! Graphic. You're the one who's editing this, so you have say. Dang it! Dang it! There's no new graphics to put on. I used the Cooper font on the last one. On the you use my little, I did a little singer for it, my little well, jazz, little it to me. jazz intro. You need to send it, to and then the Cooper font. Matt, you need to send did it you watch the Brizango interview? I did. Okay, you lived it. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, this is of course a show here on uh, our Going in Raw channel where we debate things. We use the the patrons, the lovely twenty dollar and up a month patrons, to submit their video debate questions. And Correct. We've got one, two, three, four, five of them today. Uh, can't wait to dig in here. And uh, just a quick disclaimer, we don't always, uh, a lot of the time we usually like agree on subjects, but, you know, we'll always choose a side and try our best. To yeah, debate. I mean, you can't have a debate show if people agree. Correct, Amundo, yeah. So, um, also, quick programming note, this Sunday, if you've got nothing better to do during Hell in a Cell, if you're sitting down and watching it, fire up YouTube.com forward slash uh, Stephen Larson, and we'll be watching it too, and you can uh, watch it along with us. We yes. will not... Not be showing the screen, which will be airing Hell in a Cell. It's just going to be a shot of us. The frame you will see for the duration of the stream is us sitting on that couch right there. You might see some food. You might see some beer. You might see Steve's dog. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. Sometimes my family like hops in, like Alabama or Lacey. But uh, so there's that, and that's good. If you want to know where we are in the live stream of the of the Hell in a Cell, ask us. Say, can we get a sync check? And then we'll let you know exactly where we are, and you yes. can sync up with us. Exactly. So that should be a lot of fun. We're also at Pro Wrestling Tees, ProWrestlingTees.com, Boris Live, going in a row. So, here we go. Now, we're going to do this. First question comes to us from Stevie Bradley. Let's see what Stevie Bradley has to say. Hey, Steven Larson. It's your friendo, Stevie B, with a debate topic for this week. Steve... You mentioned last week in the 205 NXT show, in passing, that you'd actually like to see a face Bobby Roode at this point. Now, Larson, I know you'd rather see the heel Bobby Roode like we saw in NXT. So, debate. Steve, why is it that a face Bobby Roode is better than a heel Bobby Roode for his character and us as fans? And, Larson, why would a continuation of the heel NXT Bobby Roode be better for Bobby Roode 
and us as fans. Thanks, guys. Too sweet and a hearty handshake. Thank you, Stevie Bradley. Well, we got the chance to interview the glorious Bobby Roode. You can check that video out right now on our channel. And he also graded uh, our uh, uh, creator wrestler, son of son of Power Lunch. Um, and uh, he gave us his brutal, honest opinion. Yes. And we appreciated it. Very much so. Great guy. Yes. However, we're not here to talk about actual Bobby Roode. We're, we're here, here to, to talk, talk about, about the character of Bobby Roode. Right. Now, we were both kind of disappointed when he made his SmackDown Live debut yeah. in that um, he debuted simply as a face. They seem to be... They seem to be uh, relying on the popularity of his song to get him over. Yeah. And I, 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 I wonder... Number one, I, I, I mean, that, that's a question that, that you can't really, you know, I, I don't know how much he would want to have spoken on creative directions like that at this point, this early yes. point. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's the thing, like, you know, when you get these opportunities to interview wrestlers, you have to kind of go into it understanding, you know what, chances are some things they probably don't want to or, or, or are unwilling can't or can't answer. Yes. So why even go in that direction? Yes, but anyways, let's, let's circle back to debating... Uh, the the topic that Stevie Bradley's brought up. Okay, what's better, heel or face, Bobby Roode? Well, you go first. Hey, face. Hey, here's the thing: the NXT crowd is absolutely the kind of crowd. Well, there's actually there's actually a couple reasons why face Bobby Roode is going to work better. Number one, any Bobby Roode is going to be glorious Bobby Roode, and I'm not using that just as a gimmick. He's a fantastic wrestler. Um, he looks like a million bucks. The NXT crowd, for one thing, that's the type of crowd that can both accept the glorious entrance for as amazing as it is and then appreciate him as a heel. I'm not sure your general audience showing up there at SmackDown Live can really differentiate between the two. I'm not sure they're going to want to cheer and sing along with the glorious theme song, and at the same time, accept that he is a heel. You kind of have, you gotta have one or the other. Num- my number two point, I think, this is the bigger point. He was a heel in NXT. However, he didn't really do anything besides kind of being a jerk, and you know, he he was saying he wanted CEOs and suits there in full sale and not the riffraff that was there or that is there now. So that's really just looking to bring more money to the product. And I know it's just disparaging the full sale crowd. But, and he was, he was a jerk to Roderick Strong and his family. However, he never cheated in his matches. He never did heal things to win. He left Ty Dillinger high and dry. But really... I mean, it's Ty Dillinger. Who cares? And they're dealing with sanity. Nobody wants to touch them. They all look dirty. Um, And so it's not as if his run in NXT was all that dependent on him being a heel. I will grant this. I think they might be having him smile a bit too much as the glorious Bobby Roode. That comes off a bit unnatural. I think... That is simply getting the getting the kinks right with his character. I think that'll probably go away after not too long, um, especially if he doesn't feel comfortable. 
Bobby Roode has been around for a very long time, uh, you know, obviously most famously in TNA. Um, so I think he probably has it to say, you know, hey, not sure the whole smiling a lot thing is happening. So, you know, I'll, I'm fine being a face, but let's take this in you know, a slightly different direction, a.k.a. me not smiling all the time. Um, however, I think the crowd wants to cheer for him. Maybe he could have been an even bigger face had they made him heal in the first place and then eventually got him to the point of being a face. Um, however, I think regardless, we're going to be fine with Bobby Roode. I think he's going to be very successful. And I'm willing to accept a face Bobby Roode because I think Bobby Roode is, 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 can handle whatever he's given and, uh, and make the most of it. I agree that Bobby Roode is, 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 is wonderfully talented and give him anything and he will uh, perform to his fullest and do his best. Um, that being said, whether it's being a face or a heel, that being said, um, I feel like that I have seen prime Bobby Roode, and that was NXT Bobby Roode, and that was heel Bobby Roode. The first promo he delivered, you knew instantly what his character was. There was dimension to it. There was depth. He had goals, not just uh, short-term goals like capturing a title. He wanted to transform NXT kind of uh, in his own image. We can debate whether he was there long enough to do that, but that's a separate debate topic altogether. Um, now his motivation is just to prove Dolph wrong. But what's next after that? What's his motivation after that? To win a title? I want more. There was so much depth and interesting stuff going on with Bobby Roode. Yeah, he was never, he was never like an out-and-out heel. He was just kind of a jerk, an arrogant jerk. But he performed the role wonderfully, dare I say gloriously. Mm. Um, uh, also... If Kevin Owen gets called up to Maine, there's going to be a massive hole at the top of the card in terms of a heel. I'm sorry, you're saying Kevin Owen moves up to Maine? Oh, sorry, moving to Raw. I like sorry. how you think that Raw is Maine Raw. Sorry. If Kevin Owen moves over to Raw, there's going to be a massive hole at the top of the card in terms of the top of the, heel, top of the card heel. Mm-hmm. And that, was, that, role, that is a role that Bobby Roode could fill gloriously mm-hmm. as his NXT character. And I know you brought up the fact that people are going to pop for the song. Um, and, yeah, that works in NXT, might not work on the main roster. I mean, in my mind, that just adds a, a, a layer of complexity to the character where people want to like him because the song's great, he's really good, but at the same time, he's an arrogant jerk who will put down the crowd. I like that. That's complexity. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, several of the more recent main roster calls from NXT are really fared that well in terms of how creative has handled them. Um, Nakamura came up was almost instantly called the artist, um, yeah. and uh, that really hasn't worked out that well from a creative standpoint. He was he was treated like a star instantly, um, but then we had to wait a month and a half for his first match. Most of the, the storylines he's been involved in haven't been very good. Um, Ty Dillinger uh, was basically has basically been non-existent until late. Um, other examples, I mean, there's examples like Samoa Joe and Finn Balor where they were handled well. It seems like SmackDown lately, especially. Yeah, I know. If it's someone from NXT gets called to SmackDown, they just don't know what to do. They, yeah, they, it's like they, they don't watch NXT. I know. Or, you know, we've mentioned that with Bailey. Yeah. That, her character in NXT was really good, fully formed. Mm-hmm. And they brought her up to Maine, and it was like whoever was handling her creative had never seen her NXT work. And I feel the same way about Bobby Roode to a certain extent. Like, people might know what he did in NXT, but didn't really get into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I keep going back to his, his first match against Nakamura. He won the title. And what a brilliant storytelling display mm-hmm. that was. Um, and I don't see face Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode's 
immensely talented. He, he'll, you know, work his butt off to do all he can to get whatever he, he's given over. But the character he has now, I don't see him doing telling that kind of story, which is riveting and awesome, seeing him counter everything that Nakamura has to offer. I don't see that story happening on the main roster, and that's a bummer to me. I want to see that. I want to see more stuff like that with people against people like AJ Styles, like uh, 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 against um, you know like the the top faces on SmackDown or even, or even Raw. But I don't feel like we're going to get that. We're going to get uh, uh, my worry is we're going to get what we see now, which is kind of of a generic smiling baby face. And I just feel like Bobby Roode is so talented; he can do so much more, and I want to see that. That's basically it. Very good. I like my points better. I think that my, my thing is this. There's nothing he did in NXT that was so dependent on him being a heel that no, he made a, his he was run. A, he was, it, it, for me, it's less heel face. It's more just interesting character versus basically no character. Because yeah, in NXT, but, his, he, his character was interesting. It was entertaining. But it wasn't so entertaining that you, 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 you look past him being a jerk. Yeah. And right now, we just, and granted, it's a small sample size. They're they're not giving him much to work with, other than Dolph. You're wrong. It's it's too much of a, it's too much of a small sample size. I don't think that we've given we've been given enough time. Look, I I absolutely agree. Um, I mean the the Ty Dillinger thing we kind of split on. I I think we agree. We agree. I think the Ty Dillinger thing. We have different points of view on the same thing. Because I just don't think that Ty has much of a ceiling. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even looking at in terms of you know what belts he can win. Just the story he he had in NXT. Yeah, I know. Can Ty ever break through? Yeah, I know. And now it's like, can he ever get TV time? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you have the answer. You know, not every story has a happy ending. Oh, I understand that. Um, but I don't know. I look. I, I agree. And th- this is this is one of those topics that we actually do sort of disagree on. I think inherently. I just wish that there wasn't so much smiling involved. That that's my main thing. And when he turns around and the glorious thing pops on the on the TV, I'm not huge on that either. And I do. They're, they took a character from NXT that was had some complexity and some depth, and they made it kind of one note. Yeah. And that's what bums me out more than anything. What it doesn't have to be. It's not necessarily a heel or face thing. It's just his character work in NXT was so good. And we haven't seen any of it. Yeah, I know. On the main roster, and that's what really bothers me. I, I agree with that. My main, my main problem with it is that they have basically ignored everything in his NXT run except for the glorious thing. Yeah, that's the thing that kind of bums me out. And the fact that he held the title for a while. And it also does bum me out. Like the more I think about it, I'm like, man, I love in NXT how heels can just straight up win. Mm-hmm. They can just straight up. They don't win. need to cheat to win. They don't need to cheat to win. And for some reason, somebody on you know Vince or whoever it is. Raw SmackDown, you just don't get heels that straight up win. I know, because I think he Vince thinks that if you cheat to win, there's more heat on you. And it kind of protects the baby faces, too. But, like, in the end, how infuriating is it to see a guy win clean that oh, I know. you're supposed to hate? I know. You know, that's I like, know. oh, my. That, that almost gives you more. Because at least there's an excuse, you know, if he cheats. But, like, Jinder Mahal, he's got those little Sting brothers there the entire time. And it just kills any believability. It's horrible. It's like you want to you want to hate a monster, you know, hating a guy who just you know he just cheats all the time. It's like okay, well I don't really, I know he doesn't deserve to have the belt, and that cheapens the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that was, that was one of the great things about Bobby Roode is that he was a jerk, but he was like you say a tactician, and uh, and he got over clean. Yeah, off of a off of a huge. Now when like when Shinsuke Nakamura. Bobby debuted, and it seemed pretty obvious that he was going to be a face. I think both of us thought, okay, maybe this th- what he's doing now is a facade. Mm. This is him uh, kind of doing this in response to losing the title NXT. Yeah, that, that was my hope. Like he's putting up this front of being happy yeah. and being cool with everything, and then at a certain point that's going to crack, Yeah, and then he'll start being a heel again. doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, I thought there was some sort of swerve coming. doesn't seem to be the case. But then after I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I honestly didn't believe that his run in NXT was dependent on him being a heel. You're right, though. It does it does depend on him. His success will depend on how much they'll let him do in terms of his character. Um, so, and, and, and you're also right about SmackDown especially. For whatever reason, they have not had a great track record no. uh, bringing up NXT talent and sticking to what worked with, with NXT. Yep. So that, that is definitely a concern. Yes. Next up, we got a question from Alexander Carenti, who apparently is uh, training to be a wrestler cool. himself. Let's take a look. What's going on, friendos? I was at this past SmackDown in Denver, and in the front row in front of me, I saw a Going In Raw sign on the hard cam. Hope you guys saw it. I popped hard when I saw it. I haven't sent in a video question in a while. Uh, because I've started my own personal journey in the world of professional wrestling. I've signed up at a local promotion to train and see how far it can take me. Uh, but I did want to thank you guys. I haven't uh, you know, been able to thank you guys enough for the content you do. It helps me in the gym. It helps me train. It keeps me sane, and it allows me to follow WWE. So, again, just thank you guys for everything you do. Uh, for my debate question, when I was at SmackDown, I was thinking that the show was really underwhelming me uh, as a go-home. And my debate question for you guys is, is WWE TV a better live product or better for TV? Pay-per-views and live events are fantastic, a lot of action, but I'll be honest, I think I would have enjoyed SmackDown a lot more from my couch. So, thanks, friendos. Cheers. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you, Alexander. You know what? One day, hold on, one day, uh, like two years from now, I want to book Alexander Carrente. Versus Adam Mayhem. There you go. Friendo versus Friendo match. For the H title. Chaos on Claude Street 2. For the H title. For the H title, yeah, exactly. But anyways, he has a question. Yeah, and, um, uh, great question. I'm going to go first this time. Okay. Um, see, uh, the thing is, TV tapings, Raw and SmackDown, are kind of a different beast than pay-per-views. Sure. Um, primarily because on uh, Raw and SmackDown uh, broadcasts, while you're sitting there live, you have to sit through the commercial breaks. Mm. And that can slow down the flow of the action. Whereas sure. pay-per-views, that's not the case. It's three straight hours, or four, or in the case of WrestleMania, seven and a half straight hours of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know me, I, I like going to live events kind mm-hmm. of across the board. It would be wrestling, concerts, sports, whatever. Sure. I like the communal experience. I like being out there witnessing potentially history live as it happens mm-hmm. and not necessarily viewing it strictly through my TV set. Um, and I think that's the power of going to live WWE shows is you get that communal experience. You're surrounded by, depending on the event and the capacity of the arena, anywhere between five and, in the case of WrestleMania, 70,000 fans. Yeah. And you're, you're enjoying the spectacle together, watching these stories unfold before your eyes, not through a camera lens. And you get experience it all together. You get a pop together, boo together, sing along the theme songs together. Um, and then the, the rare occasions, like we were at WrestleMania 31, Seth Rollins came down, cash in, money, big briefcase. I would have thought that that was pretty cool if I watched it on TV. I absolutely lost my mind there live, so I knew right there, in the excitement of it all even, I was witnessing history. 
and that's uh, uh, that's that's the sensation, a feeling you can't replicate watching it strictly through television. You have to be there. Um, that is the power of live events. You know, granted, unless you're that guy that sits front row every show WWE events, you can't go to every live event. So you can't do that. Not every live event is created equal. Not history is not being made at every live event. Um, but that being said, there's always a possibility. AJ Styles won the U.S. title at a house show. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen often, but when they do that. It puts the thought in your mind, I can go to this house show in Sacramento and something incredible might happen. Mm-hmm. Probably won't, but it could. That's the power of live events, communal experience, witnessing history, and that's why I say overall, granted the hot dogs are overpriced and you have to pay 20 bucks for parking. Ultimately, though, it's a better experience than TV. You said one thing that I totally agree with, and that not every live event is, uh, is created equal. Um, and that's why I'm going to argue on the part of just watching on TV because you're absolutely right. WrestleMania 31, being there in that seat that we were at, being able to have not a bird's eye view, but a, a, a bird who's pretty close to the, to the view, watching that massive giant screen all of a sudden kick in with Seth Rollins' music, watching him run down. I still get chills down the, the back of my spine. Uh, down my spine when I whatever it is I get so reminisce reminisce when I think about it. Um, however, I contrast that with my WrestleMania experience this year, which famously is is encapsulated by me turning you saying I'm miserable right now. No, you say I'm so miserable right now. <laughs> exactly, it wasn't just misery. You never know what you're gonna get with a live show. You never know if you're gonna get some drunken yokels in front of you standing up and saying what every two seconds or whatever those guys were doing at that one pay-per-view went to. That was kind of annoying. You never know if you're going to get somebody behind you, next to you. You never know if they're going to be scrunching you together and blasting strobe lights in your face. Or you never know if you're going to get a, a transcendent PWG-like experience, which both times I've gone have been two of the best live wrestling experiences I've ever had in my life. Same can be said with every other thing that we went to during WrestleMania week, except for WrestleMania itself, which is seven hours long. And we sat there in those god-awful chairs. Well, WrestleMania, WrestleMania is an outlier. Yeah. It only happens once a year. That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, so, but if you want to ensure that every time you have the same amazing, comfortable experience. Well, well, well. I'm going to say amazing. It's a uniform experience. The sa- I didn't talk during your rant. Sorry. You don't talk during mine. I just chimed in a little bit. Get a nice couch or a lazy boy. A big old bowl of popcorn, some cheap hot dogs. I don't like popcorn. Well, yeah, I don't like you. And get I'm a, I should I should get like a sixty inch before hell on show. Get that big old right get there. The, the curved screen. Yeah, that'd be rad. Um, feel, feel like we're literally there. And you know, every time because come on, the the biggest one of the biggest history making moments ever in our wrestling lives was Mick Foley coming off Hell in a Cell, and where were we when we saw it? My parents' house. Exactly. Watching our little 4x3 TV. But imagine if we'd been there. If we were there, and I had a crap seat, and there was strobe lights in my head, I'd have had a negative con- a negative experience. I would have related that to a negative memory in my head. However, being at the Larson's home, watching it on that 4x3 TV... Watching W, watching Vince McMahon show up on, or Shane McMahon show up on Nitro, and Vince McMahon gloating that he bought it. Watching it there on the TV with my two best friends was 
just as transcendent a moment as being there when Seth Rollins cashed in money in a bank. I know for a fact that's not true. In the bank. I know for a fact that's not true. Um, Here's another thing. You only get at live events. Um, When the broadcast ends, generally speaking, you'll get something else, another match, another segment, something interesting. That's called, those are crumbles. Those are crumbles. No, it's not because uh, I don't know if I've ever seen you laugh harder than when Bray Wyatt left from under the ring and sprinted up the ramp. That was pretty That happened after the camera went off. That was pretty damn funny. You don't get that stuff on TV. Wrestlers breaking character. You only get that at live events. You know when that's best, though? At house shows. Um, yeah, that's at house shows. Yeah, that's when it's best. So uh, so there you go. There, there's our thoughts on TV versus live. But, uh, yeah, house shows are great. They are. We have another question here from Adam Mayhem. Let's see what – oh, we've got both wrestlers back-to-back. Wow. Adam Mayhem. Remember, go to Chaos on Claude Street. Saturday. Saturday. If you're in the Sacramento area. Yeah, that's right. It's on Watt Avenue. Go to Adam Mayhem's Twitter feed. He's all over. He has place. the information. Let's see what Adam has to say. Buenas tardes from the University. Bienvenidos to another edition of Chit Chat with the Champ. Now, Stephen Larson, uh, I got a little bit of knowledge to give you. You guys were like trying to figure this one out. So, tope is when you jump, whether it be from the top rope or through the ropes or wherever, but you land and you hit the person with your head. Plancha is when you hit with your body. And then, obviously, a flip is when you hit with your back. And then the core screw is when you do that thing. So, with that being said, in your opinion, so debate this, who are the best suicide divers in WWE? Now, Larson, for you, you're going to debate that Finn Balor is the greatest diver. And for you, um, Steve... Mm, Tosawa. Let's go with Tosawa. So, Larson, Finn Balor is the best uh, suicide diver. And for Steve, is going to be Tosawa. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Adam Mayhem. All right. Well, so he's trying to give us... He's trying to give us who to debate, Balor or Tosawa. I don't... Uh, I'm not going to do that. Adam, Chaos on Claude Street, Part 2. Okay, Steve's not going to do that. No, but... And because on top of... For one thing, Balor... He does. He does like high flying stuff, kind of. But he does a lot more drop kicks. Yeah. So how about this? Let's take two of the best divers in the company, and let's debate them. All right. That's what you're gonna do. Fine. I'm taking Grand Metalik. Okay. Who are you taking? We'll present your case, and I'll tell you. Just watch any Grand Metalik 205 live match, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. This guy does some crazy. And it's, here's the thing about Grand Metalik. It's not necessarily how athletic he is. His timing is the most precise of anybody's in the company. There have been multiple times when him and especially Tony Nese, and I'd be fascinated to see if these guys have a history working together before, you know, the 205 Live, but they do these sequences where Tony Nese will think he's evaded Grand Metal League, and Grand Metal League will just jump on the rope and do something crazy out of nowhere. I've never seen somebody, and especially with his stature, because he's not like a really tiny Leo Rush type guy. He's like sort of a stout guy, and he'll pull off these moves off the rope or through the rope, through the ropes rather, um, that are absolutely astounding. Like it's absolutely amazing. Grand Metal League is the man. You want proof? 
Watch one of his matches. Watch any of his tag team matches with Cedric Alexander, and you can see them do it in stereo. That means together. And it's fantastic. It's amazing. There's nobody better than him. Go ahead. Um, yeah, Grand Metalik is great. Yeah. He's really good. No, he is. Um, I don't think he's the best diver. Mm-hmm. I think that honor goes to Mustafa Ali, wow. who is, I think, far and away uh, the smoothest yeah. cruiserweight on 205 Live. Okay. Everything he does, it looks great. You don't see him botch. Mm-hmm. He is smooth. He is precise. Yeah. Um, uh, and when uh, they had Drew Gulak um, advocating for less high flying on 205 Live, who did he feud against? Uh, Mustafa, Grand Metalik. Mustafa Ali, That's because right. he is the preeminent Ooh, premier, oh. diver. Wow, diver. High flying artist mm-hmm. on 205 Live. He, like, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget that shot of Drew Gulak <laughs> on the outside of the ring yeah. talking, and out of nowhere, Mustafa yeah. Ali jumps over the top rope. And like hits his butt well, right on Drew Gulak's the, head. It's the, great. The shot, the shot was framed so that it really did look like Mustafa Ali fell from the sky. From the sky. I know. That was, and they did that like a couple times, like in subsequent yes. weeks. Yeah. And just this past week on Two Hundred Five Live, uh, uh, Drew Gulak um, proposed a uh, no flipping ordinance right on uh, Two Hundred Five Live, and he. Uh, faced off against Mustafa Ali again, mm-hmm. and Mustafa Ali was busting out all sorts of awesome right. high-flying, diving-type maneuvers yeah. to really stick it to Drew Gulak. Also, if you follow Mustafa Ali on Twitter, he, he's constantly practicing and sharpening his craft. He's trying out new things. Well, hold on a second. What? I mean, I'm sure everybody, you don't just have to, just because he posts the videos of him doing it. I'm not saying no one else. other people I'm are not, doing I it. I wasn't trying to I'm imply. Sure I'm sure Grand I'm not trying to imply that other people don't do that. I'm just saying Mustafa Ali, as evidenced by his Twitter feed, does. He's constantly improving, constantly finding new ways to dive and flip. Yeah. And it's great. I, uh, Mustafa, Mustafa Ali is one of my favorite uh, competitors on 205 Live. He's great. Best diver. Yeah. Bar none no, on 205 well, Barring Grand Metalik. No. Do you, do you, look, do you know what Grand Metalik means in Spanish? Do you? It means big butter because he's like, he's smooth like butter. Like he flies through the air like a stick of butter. <laughs> oh, can you pass me the Metalik, please? I want to put some on my toes and croissant. Uh, of the, the two competitors Adam Mayhem suggested, if we're strictly talking suicide dives, Tazawa has the best pure suicide dive. Because he like does a flying headbutt at people. Oh yeah! And oh yeah! 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 Because he puts like his arms down on the side. Yeah, and right? he leads yeah. with his head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seth Rollins has a pretty good suicide dive too. You know he used to. He doesn't anymore because he's he's protect. And I hope I'm glad that he is. Yeah. He's protecting that knee way too much on a suicide dive. I kind of wish he wouldn't do it because these days he just goes out and he just. Holds on to the guy, and then he just, like, lands. There is there's a, a... Suicide dive, you're supposed to, like, really far put yourself in recklessness in how we yeah. do it now. Yeah, and a you know, suicide dive, man, you got to give it your all. Yeah, there's, like, bummer out there. Tazawa, Sasha Banks is a good one, too. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Mustafa Ali's best diver, though. Uh, agree to see... Again, this is the thing we agree to disagree on. Uh, Next, from Vincent... Big Butter. Next from Vincent Palmieri. That would be a 2K18 character. Maybe I'll be there my favorite character. There you go. In my career, uh, not company man. All right. What's the other guy? Company man versus fan, fan favorite. favorite. Yeah. Fan favorite. Next from Vincent Palmieri. Let's see what Vincent has to say. So the video question debate topic for this week is going to be, uh, I want you guys to debate 
which is a superior product all around. WCW in 2000 or TNA Impact in 2010 to 2012 or up until like 2015 if you want a wider margin because we just watched um, New Blood Rising again for my birthday as part of like a Mystery Science Theater making fun of old wrestling and it was awful so I want you guys to debate which is better between two very bad brands of wrestling basically I hope you guys have fun with that uh, thanks and goodbye thank you Vincent thank you Vincent Ooh, this is a, a, a tough one to debate yeah um, I tried to prepare as best I could for this but I'm going to advocate for uh, 2000 WCW. Uh, and we're, we're looking at what's worse, right? No. Better. What's better? Better. Better as in worse? No, better as in better. What's the better product? You think it's WCW 2000? Please enlighten me. I mean, we, we, have to, we, we have to debate. No, that's fine. I, no, I'm <laughs> totally fine going with TNA. I just didn't know if he meant what was worse or what was better. No, better. So fine. Okay, I think ahead. the idea is, you know, these are... Have at low it, points for the respective companies. We have to debate which is the better low point, I guess. All right, I think I know what he's talking about here. Go ahead. Yes. So uh, uh, in 2000, WCW. This was um, in the midst of Vince Russo's reign as a head booker. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of bad going on. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot, a lot of bad. Um, at the same time, though, um, this is you know, of course, when uh, David Arquette he won the title in 2000. Yeah, not good. No, not good at all. But at the same time, so as much as I like Sid, yeah, he was the main event way too much <laughs> in 2000. <laughs> you're kind of you're kind of not doing a great. I'm coming around. To okay, it. at <laughs> also Jeff Jarrett at the top of the card. Anyways, yeah, I'm getting all the demerits out of the way first. That being said, um, it was on Russo's uh, watch that we saw both Scott Steiner mm-hmm. and especially Booker T get elevated to the main event, mm-hmm. and they were far and away. The, the the top stars in WCW at that time, mm-hmm. and it was their work was awesome. Booker T is awesome, yeah. And and the fact that um, it took him a while to finally get that uh, a, a main event singles push. Mm-hmm. When he was given the opportunity, he ran with it and did a lot of really 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 awesome work. Made WCW watchable for me at that time because I've been. From early on, a huge Booker T fan. Yeah, there was a lot of bad in 2000 WCW, but knowing that Booker T had the opportunity to show off the full array of his talents at the top of the card, I think for no other reason, makes 2000 WCW uh, far better than any period of TNA. <laughs> um, yeah, and like they tried a lot of stuff in, in 2000 WCW that didn't work, but every once in a while... Uh, they did something that did. Um, I gotta think of one now. I know because I'm I'm still of the mindset that oh man, there's so much great stuff to run down here. <laughs> but I'm I like, know, I wait, know. I have to say, it would be, it would be a far easier argument to make as what period was worse. Yeah, I know. Um, because even at like uh, TNA from 2010 to 2012, you had Styles, you had Samoa Joe, you had Bobby Roode, you had all this this, t- this great talent. Okay, well here's the thing. You know what happened. 
You know what happened in in twenty ten January January fourth twenty ten. That's when Hulk Hogan came to TNA. Yeah, but you know also what happened? They tried to go head to head with Monday Night Raw. Ooh. Yeah, was he, that long ago? Yeah, he, wow. he debuted. I remember that. His debut was. Hey, we've got Hogan, so we're going to try to compete. Yeah, I remember that. that. I remember that. Yeah, it didn't last very long. And in fact, if I recall correctly, they didn't even say, hey, we're going to weekly go live. It was like... It was literally we're putting our toe in the water, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, we're live this week, and then like three more weeks, we'll be live again on Mondays. Yeah, it was bad. Um, Okay, so here's the thing. Before... I want to add one thing. Also, in 2000 WCW, they did all this kind of shoot-style stuff. Yeah. Which, by and large, it was an absolute disaster. It but was, gosh darn it, was it It was an entertaining disaster. It was pretty entertaining. And on top of that, as, here's as bad as WCW was then, rarely was it ever boring. To kind of bolster your, your thing, if this was 2000 WCW, which wasn't... Which, granted, you know, it was a year removed from 2001 WCW, but I do kind of recall there was a distinct difference... 2001 WCW was absolute trash. Yeah. And 2000 WCW was trash, but it was kind of entertaining trash. Yeah. So I think that might bolster your point a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, look. I mean, in 2000, we had um, the Russo's shoot promo and Hogan, Hogan leaving the company. Yeah, yeah. It was a train wreck. Yeah. But it was a fascinating train wreck. It was wreck. a fascinating one, yeah. Steiner was at his best. Okay. Anyways, uh, anyway, sorry. Carry on. I mean, look. You want to make things interesting, you want a fascinating train wreck, bring Hulk Hogan in and Eric Bischoff and, uh, and go live. Also, Vince Russo was uh, head of creative at the time. Was he? All right. Really? When Hogan and Bischoff? No. Yep. Did Hogan and Bischoff know this? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, what better, what better train wreck than Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff forming a faction called Immortal... And then you've got Ric Flair forming his faction, that Fortune, Fortune, yeah, which is like supposed to be a new Four Horsemen. There was like five members of it, including Beer Money, which has James Storm, and of course the glorious Bobby Roode, who you can see now on GFW Impact Amped Anthology. They had a, they were advertising Shelton Benjamin on a. Yeah, I know they were doing that. Yeah, I know. Uh, episode. Jeff Hardy, who a lot of people expected to sign with WWE. Resigned with TNA because he saw he saw the winds of change move into TNA. He became a heel and I think their world champion. Um, I don't really know a lot about well, it. Well, in 2011 that he showed up inebriated and tried to have a match against Sting. Was that 2011? Yeah, or it was Victory Road 2007. Was 2011? That was Victory Road 2011. Victory Road. I don't know. It's Look definitely it Victory Road. Um, let's see here. Yeah. So they had and uh, look and here's this too. Yeah. Here's this, too. I watched TNA Lockdown 2011. And, you know, it's all people that you knew. It was like the Hardys and Bubba Ray and Ric Flair. He was bleeding. There was like a big steel cage. It was like three years after Ric Flair retired. Yeah. So they brought him back. So a lot of people that, hey, you know, I'll tell you what. 2010. Was it 2010? Yeah, 2010 WWE was kind of on the tail end of a really, really bad time for them. 2010, 2011 is when they started bringing it back around with the summer of punk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was good times then. But, you know, there, I, was, I was still sort of had a bad taste in my mouth from the crap years of 20, 2007 to 2009. So you can watch TNA. Hogan's back. Bischoff's back. 
for WCW marks, I imagine it was uh, like a wet dream. Sting was there too. Probably Sting was there. Booker T, I think, was there. Nash was there. There was a lot of good names there. Mr. Anderson, mm. he was there. Mm. Look at Jeff Hardy with the the championship there. Look at Jeff Jarrett. Oh, look at Jeff Jarrett. Oh, he was the AAA Mega Champion. Oh, that's so sad. All right, that's going to peter out, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Sorry about that, Vincent. Hopefully that that was okay. In all honesty, I really didn't watch TNA. I haven't really watched much TNA, period. Yeah, I mean, either. I so just, I can't I necessarily... Like, yeah, well, I know the basics about Russo hey, whenever they get that, and Hogan and Bischoff showing up and all that stuff. And Is that Global Force streaming service online yet? If it's anything to do with Impact, I probably don't know about it. i got to figure that out because I might have to go back and watch some of that. Okay. Just from a... Like, I've seen lots of bits and pieces... I do love that Hogan had all that pyro. Wasn't that who was that? Was it James that brought that to our attention? That was great. All right, next up, finally, we've got Michael Barry. He's got a question. We'll see what he has to say. What's going on, friends? Quick question for the debate. Uh, my girlfriend came and visited me this weekend, so love is in the air. Each of you pick and defend who is the best couple in WWE history. Thank you, Michael Berry. Thank you, Michael Berry. Um, the best couple in WWE history. Who's going to go first? You are. All right. I yeah. went first last time. Edge and Lita. Because they had a live sex show? Yeah. We got to see Lita's nipple on live TV. They literally had intercourse on live TV. Um, and don't forget the following week, um, they were going to do it again. Yeah, they were going to do it again. He was going to have Lita, quote, finish him off. Um. Their romance was born of real controversy. She had been having live sex shows with Matt Hardy prior to that. In the privacy of their own home. In the privacy of their own home. Uh, and then Edge and her were on the road together. And so they started having live sex shows in their privacy of their own hotel rooms. And then they took it to live stage. They had the... They, they were like... The, they were like... The, like you wanted to hate them so much. Because they had sex behind Matt Hardy's back. Oh, man. Anybody who's been jilted or cheated on understood totally. And most wrestling fans are like virgins, so they wouldn't know what that's all about. But they could only imagine. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Totally joking, everybody. I know y'all are sex machines. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, it's Edge and Lita. Then they had live sex. <laughs> Got to see Nipple. That's the whole basis of the argument. It is. Show. Give me a break. Who else has had live sex on TV? Well, in wrestling? In wrestling. Oh, I don't know. Probably nobody. Nobody. You can't beat that. That's the best couple. What is the ultimate goal of a romantic couple? To have sex. Okay. When you first meet, it's like, and then they have sex, and then it's all downhill from there. Okay. Marriage, kids. No, man. It's all about the booty. I'm just trying to see how many ridiculous things I can say make you laugh. Go ahead. What are you going to say? Triple H and Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're probably the best. Um, on screen, fantastic together. Sure. Off screen, uh, the ultimate wrestling power couple. Power. Um, they're going to be running WWE for the next 30, 40, 50 Very years. Very long time, yeah. Um, once Vince uh, calls it quits. Mm-hmm. Um, so on screen and especially off, mm-hmm. I don't think you can create any sort of argument that there's a greater well, pro wrestling couple than Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Let me ask you a question. What? 
Have they ever had live sex on TV? Not that I'm aware of. Well, Triple H has, but just not with Stephanie. Oh, yeah, that was great. He had it with a dead body. You. They literally just screwed your braids out. You. So gross. It was nasty. Um, I mean, Stephanie is Stephanie has been very risque back in the Attitude Era. Remember when she got her breast implant? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, cracked wise about that. Um, and I liked how they would slowly sort of drop the curtain on their actual marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun. Uh, and, yeah, they are wrestling's greatest power couple. Yeah, and, However, and granted, the authority storyline went on way too long when it first started. Oh, okay. They were great together. Yeah, but that's the thing. How, do you remember that stretch of, like, nine years when it was, like, another 20-minute authority promo to uh-huh. open the show? Uh-huh. Yeah. Remember that all shows that? the amount of stroke they have. They can do that. Oh, and, that's not a good and thing. And no one bats an eye. No, that's not a good thing. Now, if on the other hand, if it was nine years of Edge and Lita live sex shows. Well, you would just get so used to it. It would be so commonplace. It wouldn't be a deal. No, it would be great, man. Some porn videos I go back to a lot. Every week for nine years? Yeah. Doubt it. Absolutely. Doubt it. <laughs> oh, man. Who wouldn't want to see that, dude? It's great. <laughs> Anyways, I win that one. Edge and Lita live sex. Um, let's do some power rankings. We have Hell in a Cell coming up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, let's power rank the most powerful, the most powerful uh, Hell in a Cell wrestlers ever. It's not hooked up. It's not hooked up. I like that we both look though. <laughs> to see if it's not, it's not even. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the most powerful Hell in a Cell oh, wrestler, Undertaker. Undertaker. Uh, he beat Foley. He beat Triple H. He beat Shane McMahon. I know he's won other Hell in the Cell matches. He's been in the most Hell in the Cell matches as Undertaker. He, he beat Shawn Michaels. He was in the first. No, he didn't. Shawn Michaels beat him. Sorry. He was in the first Hell in the Cell. Yeah. Undertaker is the most powerful Hell in the Cell wrestler. The only reason Shawn Michaels beat him is because of Kane. Correct. Undertaker. Yeah, Undertaker. Is number five going to be Mankind? Yeah, I don't think he ever won a Hell in the Cell. He never really won one. But, man, did he take some bumps. He really did. Number two. two. Triple H. Yeah, probably Triple H. I think, been, he, I think he beat Mick Foley in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, he did. He beat uh, Chris Jericho, I think, Hell in a Cell? Yeah, he did. I think he did that. Triple H. Triple Number H. two, yeah. most powerful Hell in a Cell wrestler. Number, Number three. three. Would it be maybe Randy Orton? Has he been in Hell in a Cell a lot and won it? Probably. I don't know. Hold maybe. on a second. We, uh, we never prepare for these power ranking lists, so. No, why would we do that? Because it's more fun to do it. Impromptu. All right, I have a list of every Hell in a Cell match. Randy Orton has been in a lot, and he has won. He's been in six and has won three. Undertaker's been in 14 Hell in a Cell matches, and he's won eight of them. Triple H has been in nine and won six. Man, wowie wow. Um, Orton at three, and then HBK at four. Because HBK has been in four of them and has won three of the four. That's what I say. I don't think anybody's ever gone undefeated in Hell in a Cell. Oh, Batista has, as is Lesnar. Ooh, Lesnar's a good one. Because that one he had with The Undertaker was really good. That was a really good one, yeah. So you have HBK, that's a good one. What did you say about Randy Orton? He's uh, three and three. Oh. He's been in six Hell in a Cell matches. Okay. Uh, third most appearances all time. CM Punk is two and five, and his were crap, I think. Yeah. So yeah. I feel pretty confident about this list. Hey, well, Alberto Del Rio was in two Hell in a Cells. That was terrible. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I do either. 
<laughs> oh, man, that's a good list right there. It is a good list. The most powerful Hell in a Cell wrestlers. Number one, to recap, number one. Undertaker. Undertaker. Legacy. Legacy. Two, Triple H. The game. Three, Randy Orton. Yeah, I have no Randy Orton impression. Four, HBK. FC. Five, Mick Foley. Bang, bang. Very good. Good job. Good job. You made good points today. I made better points today. Edge and Lead, a live sex show, 2017. Thanks for watching. Uh, let us know what you guys think in the comments. Until tomorrow, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Your words? Less paper. <laughs> it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.